once again, Supermax rules the ranch in a titanic Tecton tussle out in the desert. Welcome back to Great Talk. My name is Tom Downey, and today we are here to discuss the 2023 US Grand Prix. Joining me, we have fellow Great Talk uh, co-host Tom Horrocks. Hello. And F1 media mogul Jonah. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Just before we get into this episode, we must thank our sponsor, Bet Online. So, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. And also, please be sure to follow our brand new, I say brand new, they're about six months old now, some of them good socials. If you look us up at Grid Talk UK, you can step to the show. So now that the admin is out of the way, gentlemen, first of all, good evening from the UK or good afternoon, Jonah, as you lucky devil, you are you're <laughs> one of our North American counterparts. The 2023 American Grand Prix or US Grand Prix, sorry, had just finished. Perhaps not a classic by any French, but in true Cota style, it went right down to, to the last lap. We'll get onto that in a little bit as, Jonah, I'm going to give you the unfortunate task of talking about Alfa Romeo to begin with. So both drivers finished outside the point. Again, uh, Valtteri Bottas finished P14 with his teammate behind him and then a lap down on the leaders in P15. Both of them did two stops, as most drivers did, but what did you make of their race today? 14th and 15th for the Alfa Romeos. I, I don't want to be the one to say it, but it's expected. The car has been not great. I don't really think either of them could have pulled up the performance they had in Qatar. Different track, different characteristics. I think a lot of the things went their way in Qatar with significantly more track limits penalties. I saw a lot of warnings this race, but more penalties dished out in Qatar. So honestly, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm surprised. I'm also not going to sit here and say I'm disappointed. It's normal. It's expected. They're not on, a, on form. Valtteri's looked pretty off form since the beginning of the year. And their quality was not bad, but the race, it was just, it's classic 2023 Alfa Romeo. I can't really say I'm surprised. It just wasn't fantastic. And we'll see if they can move on to, to Mexico and, and do a little bit better than that. But I don't, I don't see that happening. No, me neither. And much like you said, it's a very 2023 result for Alfa Romeo. That, that's probably the best way of describing it. And I would say waiting for the Audi money, but with the rumors, that might not even be happening. Anyway, put, put it, bring that little that little nugget aside. Uh, Tom, another, what are they called? Ferrari-powered car, more like Fred Flintstone, the way the custom team's been going. Haas. So both cars started from the pit lane as they made rear wing changes, as they realized, oh, heck, we don't have enough downforce to, to still finish outside the points. Yahoo to this to this new spec that they brought. Hulkenberg finished P13, with Kevin Magnussen reaching the lofty heights of P16, only ahead of Daniel Ricciardo on, on track anyway. Is there anything we can say about Haas, or do you think it's all eyes on 2024 by this point? I think you just said it all, to be honest. You pretty much just read verbatim all the notes I had for Haas for the race that's just happened. A nice livery. I quite like the new livery that they put on there. It's just a bit disappointing, really, in that this was this much lauded update that they've been waiting for so long. They stick it on the car, and then they, all the narrative throughout the sprint was, oh, can't wait to see what this Haas can do. And they were looking quite strong getting up there in the loftier positions in the early in the early sessions, the early qualifying sessions. When it came down to it, it's just the same old Haas, and they've gone before the race and said, oh, this new upgrade hasn't solved the problems. And they're just, they're, they're half a team doing half a job. 
to be honest. And it's, I just get a little bit bored. They, they put two years development into the 2022 car and they had a great start. And that's all they've had to show for themselves since what, 2018, they came in with a, with a decent model to get themselves off the ground, but they haven't moved on from that. They're still a rookie team and they've been in Formula One long enough now to push on and they're not pushing on. They've got a much more experienced driver lineup this year with Hulkenberg showing Magnussen that it's just being alongside rubbish drivers doesn't make you a great driver, which is basically what Magnussen did to Schumacher the previous years. Unless they're going to get a big name signing who can just, someone like an Alonso to drag more results out of that car, they're just going to pick up the odd points here and there in a sprint race when the tyres don't die off. And it's just a bit of a pitiful display once again from Haas. I'm a bit angry with them at the moment because they promised so much and they're just not delivered at all. The strategy today was very nothing, wasn't very inventive. And it just ends up doing the same as everyone else, which you could argue was the right thing because that's the quickest way around the track was. But there was nothing in there. What about like a start on the softs for a racier start or something? They've got nothing to lose. They're just going to disappear into the bottom end positions and not actually gain anything. That's all they'll do. And to be honest, they'll do the same in 2024 because they haven't got the the experience in that team. They haven't got the manpower and the brain power to actually push forward and be a better team. So... Very disappointed. The new Alfa Romeo for me, the team that I'm starting to dislike more than any other team on the grid, which is difficult to say because they've got so many fans, but they're not a sporting outfit for me at the moment. They're a meme. Wrong words indeed from Mr. Horrocks. Um, I, I know, safe to say, we're not going to get invited to house hospitality anytime soon. I guess they simply has to change. Moving on, come on, you said that you're, gonna, you're the parent amongst us. But and, anyway, moving on. Jonah, speaking of dads, Aston Martin, obviously the Daddy Cash F1 team. But joking aside, they both had a pit lane start as they opted to reverse the up of the upgrades that they'd fitted. It seemed to work initially because although obviously they both had a pit lane start, Alonso was up into the points, ultimately retired towards the end of the race, lap forty nine, with reported to be a suspension failure. But Lance Troll actually, to his credit, got up into P9 and pulled off some really good overtakes. Honestly. I just want to say, because I've been a big sort of like, I've slated Lance recently on this show. If he can dive like that and stop putting it in the wall, he will be better. But that's all I've got to say about it. So yeah, so Stroll P9, Alonso would have been in the points as well had he not DNF'd. So over to you about Aston Martin. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say it right now. I, I'm going to, I'm. it's tough, but everybody sees that flag. It's so nice to see a Canadian scoring points. And it's so nice to see Lance Stroll not disrespecting this country. Um, but honestly, no, you know what? It, it's tough because they Aston Martin wanted to see which spec was better, whether it's the new spec or whether it's the Qatar spec. Uh, Alonso reverted back to the Qatar spec. Lance was running the new spec. Lance is the one that finished. Lance finished in the points, which for this season is very un-Lance of him uh, to finish within the points. Do we see the new spec Aston Martin being a little bit quicker? I don't think so because Fernando was running a much better race until that suspension failure wherever that happened, whether it was a curve. I don't know if we ever found out what happened to it. But, oh my God, Lance is the points. Honestly, we might as well relish it in what we can. I don't see it happening again for the rest of the season. I'm sorry, Lance. I'm sorry, Canada. I don't see it happening. We might as well take it while we can. Hell yeah. Love that for him. Love that for Aston Martin. Um, they got overtaken by McLaren today. Love that even more. But honestly, shout out to Lance Stroll. Two points is better than he's done for a while now. And like you said, if he manages to not bin it, that he could be pretty good. I thought it was funny F1 TV didn't show his insane overtake yesterday where he shot it all the way from, I think it was like 30 meters back. He sent it in from, 
He did it again today, going around the outside at that same corner. Good on him. Good on Aston Martin. It's not the result they're looking for, but from a pit lane to points, and from a Canadian, I'll take it any day of the week. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, you said it yourself, pit lane to points. You can't really ask for, for much more than that, especially in the new spec, which seems to not perhaps be working that. But Tom, speaking of teams which have or to sporting entities that have undelivered in 2023, Alpha Tauri. So they they started, oh God, I don't even know where they started. It was quite far down the grid. Oh no, it's underlined, so I'm getting confused with the different qualifying sessions, although we can't call the spin shoot out qualifying, even though it is qualifying. Yeah, Yuki starts at P11, and the new Ricardo starts at P14. Obviously, his first full concrete back since breaking his hand in quite an amateur crash in practice for the Dutch concrete a couple of months ago. I think I was at your house, actually, in that happened. Yeah, I, 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 obviously, I just reminded yeah. myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes, Yuki got two points. I, I, he did three stops as well. The last stop he did was to bolt on a set of softs so, so because he had the gap to Albon behind. He was a very, very Red Bull senior team-inspired move, should we say. So he brought the car from P10 and obviously picked up fastest lap. Daniel Ricciardo, he, he tried to do a one-stop strategy, ultimately didn't work, and his tire light died off a cliff, so he boxed a set of softs and then ultimately trundled home last of the, of the runners down in P17. Do you think this is perhaps a start of an upward trajectory for AlphaTauri? Do you think they're maybe in a bit of an upward trajectory? Do you think Daniel Ricciardo should have stayed out of the car a bit longer? You know, where do they go from here? I think it's exactly what a team like AlphaTauri need to be doing, and that is what Haas should be doing. These are the kind of things that they need to be. Just try something a little bit different. Go for the one stop, and then now have it in the back of my head. If it's not going to work, we, we can always swap and just have a kind of strategy that can move around. The fact is that they're on, what, seven points now. So there's still five points behind Haas. And with, what, four races to go now, I think, it's unlikely they're going to catch Haas. But they're going to come last. If they try something, they might get a few points here and there. It's worth a try. They might get that box office result. And the fact that they actually had the presence of mind in this race, they, they tried it with Daniel. It looked like it was going to work at one point. It was running up in the points and look, looking quite decent. It didn't work. Yuki... He had the presence of mind there. They had him, was it was, I think he was in 10th anyway, wasn't he? But he had the gap back for the pit stop. And to have the presence of mind to then say, no, let's bring him in and go for that that fastest lap. You, you'd expect that to be a, a call that you see like the Alpines making that are well inside the points. It's rare that you see someone boxing from 10th to try and take a fastest lap point, which shows how what the pace differential was. The guys behind him, obviously we've spoken about the Hasses, we've spoken about the Alfa Romeo's that just had no pace. So the fact that Sonoda was ahead of all of that lot in the car that he was in and was able to strap on a set of softs and then had the presence of mind to pick up two points for a P10. That's solid. I know he started in 11th and there was a couple of retirements ahead of him. So you could say he started basically where he finished. That's what's expected. But it was actually a pretty strong performance, I thought. And Yuki Sonoda, I've got him in there as, as certainly was a contender for driver of the day for me because that was a quietly strong performance from them and uh, something we're not used to seeing. And and I think Daniel is uh, a good return for him. He, he was unspectacular, but he wasn't bad. He, I would say that performance was on a bit of a level with where we saw Lawson last time out, maybe a little bit lower than that. He's a bit rusty, but I'm sure he'll come back. Whether he'll do enough to move ahead of Sonoda in the championship, I very much doubt. But he'll certainly, I think he, in this car, I can see him grabbing a couple of points between now and the end of the season. So I'm fairly optimistic about Alfatori, probably the most optimistic I've been all year about them, to be honest. I can say that sounds only quite optimistic for you, fair play, mate. Honestly, consider me surprised to hear that one. 
especially given your your Mercedes and uh, and and McLaren allegiances. But yes, fair play. So next we're going to have a quick chat about Williams. Once again, they're another team sporting a US-inspired livery. Ultimately, it didn't quite work out for them today. Like most of the other, most of the other teams on the group, they did say they did a two-stop. They came home 11th and 12th, having started 15th and 16th. Do you think it's a bit of an opportunity missed for, for Williams that today, especially given how close the two drivers were? We could have been looking at maybe a point for Sargent or something who was still chasing that illustrious or that sort of like ever further out of reach first point in F1. Do you think it was a missed opportunity for them today or do you think they found the limits of their car? A bit. You know what? I, I do think it was a bit of a missed opportunity, mainly being in the fact that, you know, the Haas and the and the Aston started from the bed lane. Yeah. How? That's just purely a missed opportunity. You had a few grid spots higher up to start. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they were supposed to be behind them, especially Logan Sargent being plum last. But just to revert back a little bit, love delivery. Love that. The, the American flag on the back of that car blending in a little bit with the blue of the Williams looked great. I've never found or never heard of a country that loves their flag more than the United States. So I think they did a great job with that. Kudos to them. It looked awesome, especially on Logan's car. But yeah, I think it was a missed opportunity. Williams had a lot of opportunity in their hands today to try and get some points, uh, especially with a few drivers finishing ahead of them that you most likely wouldn't have seen there. Yuki Sonoda in that hat, er, in that Alpha Tauri, I think both of the Williams could have beat him, as well as Lance Stroll finishing ninth. That's the most out of the blue thing in the world. I think you could have had both Williams ahead of him, maybe double points, nine and 10. I think it was a missed opportunity, but I also want to give a huge shout out to Logan Sargent. I think he did great today. He looked really out of form, lots of moves, late in the breaking zones. He looked fantastic. That's the Logan I think Williams have been expecting all year. Shame it came out in round 19, but that's the Logan they're looking for. If he can carry that through into Mexico, into Brazil, into Vegas, into Abu Dhabi, I think that seat is his next year. I really do. I truly believe that you can't see the full potential of a rookie until halfway through their second season in Formula One. I don't see why Williams would get rid of him after all the money they spent in the driver development program. I think it's his seat to lose. But good on him. He did great. Car looked great. Little bit of a missed opportunity finishing 11th and 12th, but it's a Williams at the end of the day. It's become standard to say that, oh, it's a Williams. It's a Williams. They're not their championship winning form of the 90s and the 80s. And you know what? I think we just have to appreciate that they weren't that bad. They really weren't. And so you made a very good point that way. You said that we got to, we, we have to stop saying he's just a Williams. And also, a very good point about them with the Aston's finished, sorry, starting in the pit lane, and obviously with the Haas starting in the pit lane. They did finish ahead of both Haas, obviously, Alonso retired, but you know, Alonso was well ahead of them when he was running before his rear suspension just had a two stage left. Tom, the Alpines, obviously there's been a lot of talk recently with their recent in, uh, investors or stakeholders coming on board. We found Joshua on the grid today. Rory McElroy, obviously pro golfer, one of, the, one of the best around, was on the grid today. Mixed fortunes for for the two drivers. So they started seventh and eighth. That's Gasly and Ocon, respectively, in that order. Ocon was forced to DNF on lap six after he took a hell of a whack from Oscar Piastri, who then, sorry, I should say Ocon and Piastri had it coming together. I don't want to push any blame in what I say, but Ocon did hit Piastri and then ultimately retired because he was losing a tremendous amount of downfall from a hole inside of a side pod. Gasly, meanwhile, he, he was making waves, as the kids, as the kids say. Ultimately, you know, he did he did finish a place down on where he started, but he was making some good overtakes, and you know, both Alpines were looking quite racy at the start. And do you think maybe that if we'd have had the, the starting position of the Alpines, say back in back as well in the middle of the season, we'd have potentially been looking at a double DNF? 
because that certainly seemed to be something that was happening. But do you think they can? Do you think they've got any chance of getting anything out of the constructor championship this year, or do you think they're just nailed on where they are? They're nailed on where they are. They're not going to. They're certainly not going to gain any positions in the constructors' championship. They're up to ninety-six points now, so they are a long way, a huge way, or one hundred thirty-six points behind Aston Martin. So they're they're not going to get anywhere near that, and they're under no threat at all from Williams or Alfa Romeo behind. So they're they're not going to gain anything. But what they need to do now is just improve their profile, work for next season, and you know, just keep knocking in those points finishes. And a P eight starting from a P seven, I think Perez was always going to come past. So I think, you know, a P8 would have been like what they would be looking at and then you're aiming to try and move forward. But the fact is the cars that started ahead of them were all faster than them. So barring no safety cars, no yellow flags from what I remember, I don't think Alonso caused one, did he? Everyone retired in the pit. So no yellow flags, no safety cars, no VSA, no BSCs, no spins. Nothing happened that would have spiced up the action at all for them. They're starting in the order of which they're quickest. That's where they're going to finish. So... It was uh, the Ocon thing. I'm wearing an orange T-shirt right now, so I'm not going to blame Piastri for that. I think it was a racing incident, and obviously both cars retired from it. It was just one of those first lap collisions. I don't think there's any blame to be apportioned either way. Just unfortunate that it did end both their races. But but yeah, 40 points of downforce. That's a huge amount to lose off Ocon. That's, that car was just plummeting. I, I, when he went into the pits, I was sitting there with my wife and my mum, and she goes, oh, was Ocon been through the pits? I was like, oh, he must have done. Nope, he's just fallen back that far. So that was a huge amount of damage. That was never going to carry on. But unfortunately, as we were saying before the podcast started, because there was a lot of action, a lot of action, there was a lot of tense racing going on up front. We didn't really see a lot of the midfield battles. So I was, I haven't really got that much to say about Alpine because I haven't seen it. Let's just go back and watch the onboards, which because, you know, because us British like to complain about what time the races are, we've gone slightly early on this one because we want to go to bed. So I haven't had a chance to really go back and look at stuff. It's a difficult one to call for them. But as I said, their race was pretty much what the rest of their season is going to be. Very unnoticed, understated, and just trying to do something to get noticed. And it's not really going to do that. Gasly got a few, had a few feisty battles in there, undercut George to get a little bit of screen time. But apart from that, we hardly saw them. But let you say, yeah, it's just that's all they had in them at the moment. But they are moving forwards. So if you look at them a few races back, they that race, they would have been zero points, probably finishing 11th and 12th. So they are definitely moving forwards. Yeah, absolutely, Tommy. They are, they are definitely move, moving in the right direction, slowly. But they are getting there, and they're, they're certainly giving their investors something to talk about. Jonah, this one is going to be pain and beauty all in one go. Anybody who's watching this, you can see Jonah has a little certain manufacturer logo behind him, and Tom is also wearing a certain orange-themed T-shirt, shall we say. So as as everybody can probably figure out, we're going to talk about McLaren. So, Lando started P2. He took the lead going into Turn 1, and was firmly in the lead coming out of Turn 1, and then ultimately finished P3 after being passed by Verstappen and Hamilton. Piastri started 10th and then started 10th and DNF'd on that 10, actually, after the aforementioned incident with, with Ocon. Obviously, Lando was leading for the first stint. Do you think this is one that got away from him? That's tough because... Yeah, and yeah, actually, you know what? I do think it is the one, the one that got away from him. I think that 
that Red Bull is fast, man. That Red Bull is fast. Or is it? Or is Max just fast? No, but the... I think McLaren made a mistake. It should have been medium, hard, medium. I know that they didn't have a new set, but we were hearing over the radio and we were hearing from the commentators, I don't know if you guys were listening to, to Crofty, that a new set of mediums was just as good, if not better, than a new set of hearts. I think McLaren blew it there a little bit. Was a win on the cards? That's a tough call. Hindsight's twenty twenty. That Red Bull is damn fast, man. That Red Bull is really quick. Doesn't matter where Max starts. He's probably going to win regardless. When that car, and he had so many problems with his brakes, and he's still pulling a second a lap. Like, that car is so fast, and when it's on the right set of tires, and they're in the right operating window, and it's Max Verstappen behind the wheel, I don't think there's anyone in the grid that could beat that guy, other than Carlos Sainz. I think it's one that got away. I think McLaren made a mistake, and I don't want to say that because I love McLaren, but they ferrari a little bit today. Just the wrong set of tires to put him on, I think, truly. Would he have outlasted outlasted Lewis? I don't know that McLe- that Mercedes has looked quick. Not in a straight line, but it's looked quick. Shame for Oscar. I'm not going to sit here and say it was his fault because you can see that. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was Oscar's fault. I agree with Tom. I think it was a racing incident. But yeah, I do. To answer your question, yeah, I do think it was one that got away. Maybe not a win, maybe a second, but I think McLaren put him on the wrong tire and it was just a mistake and Lando had to pick up the pieces and salvage what was left and you know what? It's a lesson. You learn, you move on. The car's fast. It's a, I think it's a race-winning car. I truly do. If Max has a bad weekend or makes a mistake, which is, seems impossible, I think it's a race-winning car. And to kind of go back to what Tom said, you guys wanted to go to bed. I love this. I love the North American races. But yeah, I, I do think it was an opportunity missed. It's a real shame. Absolutely, it was. But just very quickly, if you don't if you don't want to miss any five-star reviews of this podcast, we would love it if you would take five to leave us a five-star rating. Um, Spotify or five star review on Apple Podcast. Just getting that out there, and that's definitely the worst segue of, of the weekend so far. So apologies to my other co-hosts because I had actually forgotten until now. Tom, on the other side of the McLaren Ferrari rivalry, come allegiance, you have Ferrari. Obviously, Leclerc started on pole position, but like we said, he was not leading past turn one. After that point, he tried a one stop, or Ferrari had him try a one stop. It didn't work out at all. He, oh God, he's cracking his knuckles. It didn't work out. He ended up down in P6. Wow. That's, this is, I believe, the ninth or tenth time that he has not converted pole position into a win. And the Ferrari just generally didn't look that good in, in race trim, I think it's safe to say. Carlos Sainz started P4, ultimately finished P4 after their team orders to, to let him pass. Yeah, he was, Sainz was obviously chasing down Lando, but ultimately ran out of tires and then. I was going to say right out of that, but he wouldn't have been able to catch regardless. It's a bit of a tricky one for Ferrari today. Do you think they'll be having a bit of a debrief internally? I know we know Leclerc wants one because we heard that. But give us your version of, of a Ferrari debrief of what unfolded before our eyes today. Does anyone watch Mr. Bean? Yes, I know, I know where you're going with this. That's what the debrief is basically like. It's just a load of people running around doing stupid things that seemed like a good idea at the time and actually make a little bit of sense in some kind of nonsensical way, but are absolutely ridiculous. No, I'm just going to correct one of your stats slightly there. Charles Leclerc has got 21 pole positions and five wins. That's an unbelievable statistic. As like Max Verstappen has got more wins from a Leclerc pole than Leclerc has got from a Leclerc pole. As Sergio Perez has won more races than Charles Leclerc. That's... <laughs> I'm sorry. That, and, and that's not because Leclerc's bad. 
He's an amazing qualifier. He is the, one of the one of the fastest drivers over one lap. The Formula One has Formula the Formula One. Wow, Formula One have ever seen. He is that good. He does lack a little bit in races sometimes, and does still have a little bit to learn. But most of this, I think Ferrari have cost him six, seven, eight race wins potentially. It's just their strategy. I'm not saying for a second that he would have won this race because he got done at the start by Lando. He never had the pace. McLaren was a quicker car. There was an outside chance of a podium there, but turning P1 into P6, Sides at least started and finished in the start of where he finished. And like we saw in the race, in the sprint race, again, Carlos Sainz becomes Mr. Sample. Yeah, you know, well, let's just try something with Sainz. Okay, we'll give him an extra set of mediums for the race. Are we going to use them to our advantage in the race? No! No, we'll just save a set of tyres. It's fine. It's, it's good. We'll just save a set of tyres. No problem. We won't use them. It's just crazy. So P4 to P4. Great. So Leclerc jumps, Sainz jumps Leclerc in the pit stops and as Leclerc decides to try and go long. And then what was the radio message? It was, it, it was, we have a choice. We can either stick with plan D or go with plan C. What would you like? <laughs> he was just plan C, Rubens Barret. Plan C was obviously then converting to a two stop and then he just would have been out of the points. So he was the only driver who actually stuck with a one stop strategy. Everyone else abandoned it. And yet Ferrari, obviously, because it's Ferrari, have just stuck with it. But from a P, P1 to P6, my God, he is absolutely wasted there. Get him out of that team. Get him in another team, for Christ. Sorry. Yeah, just Ferrari have really annoyed me again today. Science fine. Yeah, he executed fine. But again, Leclerc on the radio, oh, we'll talk after. To be fair to Ferrari, that was the one thing they got right. Let Science through. He can have a go at Norris. He's got a chance. Leclerc was just chum. He was just floating in the water, ready to be scooped up by the next shark that came along so it was never going to happen for Leclerc at that point in the race they should have abandoned the strategy put him onto plan C stuck him with a nice set of mediums and then attacked at the end of the race trying to get some places back but yeah no good I'm afraid strong words indeed from Mr Horrock so that was absolutely a, a no bueno for Ferrari today first yes Jonah you have Mercedes George Russell started P5 ultimately finished P7 but Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, started P3 and finished P2. Now, had this race have been 60 laps or 59 laps or 58 or 57 laps, we could have been having a different conversation because Mr. Hamilton finished ultimately finished 2.2 behind Verstappen. And I say this as a Max fan, I'm relieved because... The DRS that Max got, which just off, I think it was off the back of Joe, which just gave him a bit of breathing space. That's a different topic, you know, about DRS in, in any way. But Hamilton, could this have been that elusive win he's been looking for since the change in regulations? You know what? Controversial opinion. I'm probably going to piss off a lot of people here. But if Guan Yu Zhou moved out of the way, yeah, I think it would have been. Even if it was not 57 laps, if it was 56 laps like we had, if Guan Yu Zhou moved out of the way before that DRS detection point, I absolutely think Lewis would have caught him. I really do. He was catching him two, three tenths a corner at that point. And you know what? Zhou gave Zhou gave Max DRS. He went by him. Lewis didn't get it. Boom! There goes your. There goes all the advantage you just gained. I think if Zhou moves out of the way, Lewis catches him, and Lewis either puts up a fight for him or passes him. I truly believe that's the case. And I think that the FIA should do a little bit of investigating because I think Zhou helped Max win that race. I can't lie to you. George, as for George, George had a really crappy weekend overall, I'm going to be honest, in terms of George standards. He's all over the place in track limits. Guy can't keep it within the white lines. 
he's blocking Charles and then qualifying. It's just, it was a very out of character, George, for, for this weekend. Really poor. I think P7, he should be happy with. I don't really think he could have gotten anything more than that. Um, their strategy for Mercedes on one side of the garage was okay. On the other side of the garage was really good. I think Lewis did a phenomenal job. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a Lewis fan. I do not love the guy, but I think he did a fantastic job today in catching and, and chasing them down. That Mercedes looks quick. It looks good. It's still bouncing a lot, though, but it, it looks good. Yeah, truly, you know what? I think that even if this was 56 laps, which it was, I think that Lewis could have won this race. I think we could have had a really different conversation right now. It's a bit of a shame, truly. I think that we got robbed of a bit of a cool finish because of Joe and then Alfa Romeo and the placement. If you just, you come on, you cross the hill, there's a huge Texan flag behind you. Pull to the left. Just pull to the left. What are you fighting for? Your 15th or 14th, whichever one of the Alphas finished at, whichever one was Joe. Move over. You're not fighting Max. You're not fighting. You're not even fighting for points. Why are you sitting there? Just move out of the way. You can see him in your mirrors. There's no excuse for the fact that you can't see him because he's right behind you. Move. I, I think that was a really unfortunate way to end it. And just to say a little bit of a different piece, going back to, to Tom's point, I also think Charles is a horrible teammate. I really think he's a really bad teammate. You, listen, it's not his first day racing. You know what? That Carlos is faster. He's on a different strategy. Why are you saying, why am I letting him go? Use two brain cells. You know why you're letting him go. There's so much whining that goes on over the radio at Ferrari on one side of the garage. Now, listen, I'm not saying that Carlos hasn't had his... I disagree. Let's talk about this after. But Charles has to use some common sense and understand that it makes sense. It's the only thing Ferrari did right, Tom, you were right. It's the only thing they did right all race. Charles whines a lot. I think he's a really bad teammate. I just had to get that out there. But yeah, I think Lewis could have won that race. And and you know what? George had a pretty pretty god-awful weekend for Mercedes. It's far worse indeed there, Jonah. Uh, Blake, that's given me a little bit of a talk point. We'll get to this. But very quickly, Tom, do you have Red Bull? Max obviously won the race by 2.2 seconds. And Sheffield was... I believe P5 in the end, which for him, that's basically a race win skating some player about that. Having, <laughs> yeah, having started P9, Checker finished P5, and then Max is starting P6. Definitely didn't have an easy race by by, by any means. Checker's fastest lap being three, three tenths quicker than Max's fastest lap as well, which is, which is which is no no easy feat against a teammate like Max. Bear in mind, obviously, everything that Jonah just said. What do you think of Red Bull today? I think Red Bull, they were always going to be the favourite coming into the race. I think Perez did fine. You know, he was 18 seconds, I think, off Max at the end, maybe, which was given that Max had issues. That's like roughly where he is. You know, what's that? Three tenths, probably an average of about three tenths a second over the course of the race. That's not great, but it's fine. If he's qualifying better, then he, that's probably a podium there. But he said, before the race, he thinks a podium was possible. And then in the end, it was a distant P5. So again, it's not, yes, Perez is back. But it is a kind of, if he can perform at that level for the rest of the season, then he'll probably have a bit less pressure on him at the start of next season. Although my other prediction of him not being in the car come the summer break or come the end of the summer break next year, I still think that's on. He needs a diamond start to, the, to, to next season to, to, to even still be in that car at the end of next season. But yeah. The notes I got for Paris Snitches Get Stitches was for the first in there, stuck behind George, and oh, he keeps going off. But yeah, and yeah, Max, I thought, did really well. I had down in my notes that he was a really mature performance in the first in. It was, but then he reverted back to old Verstappen in the second half of the race, just constantly swearing at his race engineer. I know it's the, it's the, it's just the old married couple vibe and stuff, but strolling his and his trainer, their bros, 
but that almost came to blows. So yeah, I think he just he needs to check his mouth a little bit sometimes on that. I know it gets heated on the radio, but that can't look good for Red Bull doing that kind of just shouting that much abuse at him. And I often go back and I listen to team radio because I'm sad like that. I listen to team radio quite a lot after the fact and just listening to what's said uncensored. And Max is the one that is always, he's far more aggressive over the radio than anyone else that, that I've heard. And and I just think he just needs to check it a little bit because it's it's a bit souring. Of he's he's a three time champion. He's a huge role model here. They've been criticising Hamilton for crossing the track and being a role model. What about the current three time world champion? He won the last three championships. Won more races than anyone in the last fifty races. It's he needs to get that in check because it's not a good look for Formula One. But I can't take away from him. It's a mature performance. He he bided his time. He didn't throw up the inside. He didn't get stroppy in the early stages. Once, as soon as he got to the lead, that's when I thought his performance went off a little bit. But really mature performance to get to the uh, to get to the lead in the first place. What else do we expect from him? Three time champion, won fifty races. No, absolutely. And I've got to say, I'm very surprised he do have to acknowledge he's a three time champion, unlike some Hamilton fans. But there we are. That's just if I had a cup of tea, I would be sipping it right now with my pinky sticking out. But gentlemen, thank you both for your thoughts on both your drivers. I just want to give you both a chance to say who do you think was your driver of the day? So, Jonah, I'll go to you first. Uh, okay, in order of not being biased, I'm going to go with Lewis. Lewis had a great drive. You know what? Mercedes really gave him a heavy task to catch up to the guys ahead of him, and he did it. He showed there's a reason he's still driving. There's a reason he signed a, an extended contract. And you know what? I think, that, yeah, I think he really did a good job. He showed how fast that car is, and he showed how fast he still is, and that he hasn't lost it. Kudos to Lewis. Well-deserved P2, and uh, yeah, he's going to be my driver of the day. Absolutely. There's a slide from the old dog yet, as the as the saying goes. Tom, who's speaking of old dogs, who's your driver of the day? I think it's really important that we recognize how important this race was for Lewis Hamilton, because I heard a lot of people saying that with the contact with Piastri and Monza and the contact with Russell last week that he's lost it. It's a downward spiral now. He's just going to disappear into obscurity. He showed some really good, strong racing. And the reactions with that almost airplane crash with Norris in uh, at Turn 1 was phenomenal. So I think he's had a, a absolutely solid race. And I did vote for him for Driver of the Day at Grid Talk, and he was a Grid Talk official Driver of the Day. Sorry if that's a spoiler for you, Tom. But I think just for difference, I'm going to give a bit of love to Yuki Tsunoda because I thought he had a solid race. If Alonso would have finished the race, I probably would have said Alonso because I thought he had a solid race as well. But just to be slightly different from the norm, I'm gonna for the sake of this podcast, I'm gonna give Yuki Snow some love. Fair enough. Just the benefit of it, but listening, Tom and I are very good friends, so we have a lot of inside jokes like that anyway. Please don't really think that was anything towards. This is the point where he just silently boots me out out of the zoom. I my driver of the day, buckle in everybody. I'm going for Lance Troll. Because honestly, I know I like I said earlier, I know I slated him. But he has he, he's he's had a really impressive drive today. Didn't death anybody when he got out of the car. Just kept it out of the barriers, put it into the points after starting in the pit lane, put it put in some good overtakes. Yeah, I had originally voted for Alonso, but then when when he DNF'd, um, you know, it was it was a bit like but the job wasn't quite done. So yeah, but a very close second was Hamilton, and I really not said Hamilton because he's already been said. So just for the sake of, of variety. One other very quick discussion point I've got for, for a chance is the last one, I promise. I just want to get some quick thoughts from you both, just for 30 seconds each, and I will be timing you, is is around DRS for lap runners. In fact, I just want a yes or no from, from each of you. Jonah, I'll, I'll come to you first. The question is, if a driver is on a lead lap, 
and they are approaching a driver who they are lapping. So vis-a-vis Hamilton on, uh, sorry, Verstappen on show, Hamilton on show, etc. Should the driver who is on the lead lap, should they get DRS off the driver they are lapping? Absolutely not. Okay. Tom, same question to you. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay, that's interesting. I'm afraid I don't have enough time to ask why because we've got to we've got to round out this show. But but yes, no, thank you for that. And my viewpoint on it is no, because DRS is an overtaking aid and they don't need they don't need an aid to overtake someone who they've already lapsed. But what do I know, eh? So I just want to give both of you a quick chance to promo yourselves. So Jonah, tell us a little bit about yourself. If you've got any socials that, that you want that you want anybody to follow, anything you want to shout out in particular and keep it clean. Yeah, of course. A little bit about me. I've been on Grid Talk a few times. I'm the co-host of the Soft Tire Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything except for Formula One. That's a joke. I would talk about F1 also. We write Mario Kart tracks. And I've, I'm a, like to, not to gas myself up, but I'm a relatively large face in the league racing esports community. Three times over world champion with a few different teams. It's a lot of fun to do that. And uh, yeah, if you want to go find the Soft Tire Podcast, you can find that anywhere on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, anywhere you get your podcasts. That'd be tough. Thanks for that. And Tom, you are one of the hosts of the Monkey Seat podcast, as well as co-host of Grid Talk. So tell us a bit about Monkey Seat with you and that wrong and Carl. Yeah. Monkey Seat, Grid Talk's dirty cousin. We talk about Formula One in a less PC way. You can catch this week's USA Grand Prix review at the cutting edge time of Friday afternoon, just before the Mexican Grand Prix practice. Up to date info on the race review for the for the Austin Grand Prix this week so yeah we'll be recording a little bit late this week due to scheduling issues but but yeah we just have fun don't take it too seriously if you want cutting edge reporting come to Grid Talk if you want cutting edge reporting with lots and lots of advertisements then go to other podcasts but so yeah if you just want a bit of a laugh and no adverts and stuff like that then come to come to Monkey Seat absolutely I've been on it a few times and to say it descends into absolute tomfoolery no pun intended would be an entertainment so, just to let you, just let everybody know, as I'm sure we're all aware by now, Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most episodes are recorded live, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cats. Just search for them on Grid Talk for our back catalog of shows, previews, and reactions to qualifying and race results. Please also consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. Please also make sure you are subscribed so you're the first to know when each new weekly episode is released. Also, when you do subscribe, like I said earlier, please make sure you follow our socials. That's at Grid Talk UK, where you can find everything about Grid Talk and our sister show, Formula Talk, which is every, which is everything non-F1, so so a non-ironic version of what Jonah said, basically. We will be doing a Formula One Academy review. I think we're recording that tomorrow lunchtime. That'll be Sophia and myself. That'll be out, that'll be out this week. As always, please make sure you're subscribed. Thank you, everybody, for listening, watching, commenting, liking, subscribing, all the YouTube stuff, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye.